Frank, I am so excited. Our first ever special edition of Merge Conflict. WWDC 2017 just wrapped up and I cannot wait to talk about all of the amazing things that happened there at Apple's largest developer event of the year. Now, this is our first ever special edition. We're doing something really special, actually. We're gonna give you an uninterrupted flow of everything Merge Conflict WWDC edition. And to do that, we've paired up with an amazing company um, that I just wanna tell you about real quick. So then once the show starts, it goes. And our amazing, glorious sponsor this week is Raygun. Raygun gives you, as a developer, complete visibilities on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Or I like to even say as affecting your developers. They essentially give you super amazing crash reporting and analytics and metrics on your applications, whether they were built in .NET, JavaScript, Xamarin applications. They support every single major language and platform. And it takes just a few minutes to set up. Now, case in point about the crash reporting, I use this personally. I've been using it for over a year in all my applications. I was debugging an issue with Meetup Manager. I was getting a crash in my application. It wouldn't stop in the debugger. It was just boom, unhandled exception crash. I opened up Meetup Manager and Raygun, found my crash immediately. It's tied to my GitHub page and my GitHub project and has all my manage and unmanage um, um, output right there from the crash report. And it even had the line of code that was crashing since it's linked to my GitHub account. I could immediately open an issue in GitHub and link it all back. It was glorious. But Raygun is much more than just crash reporting. They have real user monitoring, user tracking, and even deployment tracking for all of your applications written in any language. I love Raygun. I highly recommend you check it out and get a free 14-day trial. Just go to raygun.com. That's it. Just go to raygun.com. And thank you so much, Raygun, for sponsoring Merge Conflict this week. And, and Frank, let's just get into it. WWDC 2017. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. It is Christmas time. Merry Christmas, James. This is the best time of the year to be an iOS developer. <laughs> if only I was an iOS developer. No, I am, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas. Again, Christmas in June. Uh, because it's great because for me, it's a little bit like a twofold because also my birthday is this month. So I get not Ooh. only WWDC birthday gift um, <laughs> and Christmas gift, but then I get more gifts coming in at the end of June. So does that mean you can actually take time off of work? Because like when they release all these APIs, I don't want to do anything but sit around and write demos all day. Like I don't want to do real work. I don't want to read email. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to try every single API. So are you going to take like a, a birthday holiday or are you going to work through? That's a good question because there are some amazing new SDKs and APIs that I want to play around with. But like for me, I mostly just wait for the bindings. Like I could go write some Objective C and Swift, but mm, then I'm not going. <laughs> not willing, huh? Not 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 going to pull that one. <laughs> I yeah, thought well, about Xamarin's, it. Xamarin's pretty quick to get bindings out, but if you want to be on the bleeding bleeding edge, yeah, you have to go through about a week of uh, writing Swift code and learning the APIs. But then we can get back to our safe and happy Xamarin world. Yeah, then I'm always in that state where essentially like, okay, do I want to start updating everything right this exact second <laughs> or should I wait just a little bit and not destroy my development rig? Oh, yeah, you're talking about installing IDEs. Well, thankfully, Xcode has been pretty stable as in side-by-side -side installations lately. Uh, you, you usually don't run into any problems. The apps are actually just named separately. You put them side-by-side. -side. You can run Xcode by itself. 
Uh, every so often you'll run into issues with the simulators. <laughs> uh, the wrong simulator might get running, but if any of that ever happens, just turn off all the simulators, close all the X codes, and then open the correct one. And hopefully magic of Apple will fix everything. Close all 18 of those X codes that you have now opened up, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then if you're a Xamarin developer in the preferences for uh, Visual Studio for Mac and I Visual Studio, you can actually choose um, which version of the uh, SDK, Apple's SDK to use. So you can try out the beta stuff once Xamarin has the bindings. Yeah, so basically not that scary is what you're telling me is like, don't be worried about <sighs> all of this. Okay, so I've survived all the terrible iOS updates. Okay, man, I survived iOS 7. I put that right on my main phone. I was at WWDC. I had no other device with me. I just installed the first beta on it. I said, you know what? It's worth it. I'm a programmer. I can handle bugs. I know how to work around bugs. And that thing was a mess. (laughs) That thing was terrible. (laughs) So I feel like if I survived iOS 7, I can handle anything. So first I put it onto uh, my iPad Pro, which I mostly use for development and uh, playing around. And then it it was super stable, iOS 11. And then uh, I threw it on my uh, personal phone because why not? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I should do that. I guess I should try to try it out on my actual dev phone. But I was like in the middle of releasing apps this week. And like, I mm-hmm. literally, I knew the WWDC keynote was coming up. So the night before, 24 hours before, I submitted app updates and they got approved actually before all the app store went crashing to the ground for a few hours <laughs> while they updated everything. So I was pretty in a good set. I was in a good place uh, yeah. once it was all over. But let's go through it. So okay. we both watched the keynote. Um, we weren't at WWDC, obviously, but we could watch the live stream, you could go watch the recording. And I kind of wanted to cover two different topics because there was the general keynote that I like to call the technologies keynote because Craig Federighi really likes to say everything is about technologies. Did you you catch that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm usually good at catching that kind of stuff. No, I, I was just in love with his hair. So, I mean, I was a little distracted. Craig was pretty, pretty fantastical, I, I will say for sure. <laughs> And so there's the keynote and then there was the developer keynote, which happened afterwards in the afternoon where they reiterated everything from the keynote, but then showed a bunch of new Xcode things and a few other things um, that they hinted at in the keynote, but maybe didn't go fully in. So I want to just tackle Tim Cook's on stage. What what was your feeling this year um, just from the presence of kind of watching it at home? How how did you think it compared uh, at a high level before we dive into topics? I really enjoyed this year. Um, I think he came right out and said it. The moment he said, uh, we're not going to go through numbers, uh, suffice it to say, Apple is doing great. And I think like that brought back all the bad memories of WWDCs in, in the past where you had to sit through slide after slide of Apple praising itself and the developers, and it's all just a ugly cheerleading thing. So we didn't have, we were spared that. They cut straight to the chase. They just had announcement after announcement. Some were small announcements. Others were big announcements. Um, some I wish they spent more time on. Others I wish they didn't spend it. But it just felt like a nice, accelerated, high-paced keynote. Like, usually around 11 a.m., an hour into it, I'm kind of like, okay, boy, kind of wrap this up. You know, let's get moving here. But this time, I was just kind of enthralled through the whole thing. Yeah, I really, I really, really liked how Tim came out and he said, listen, we got tons of developers, 16 million now that are registered, 3 million alone last year, which is really impressive. And uh, I actually tweeted, I was like super, uh, well, I thought the opening video was terrible. I hated it. I, I tweeted, oh, Apple, oh, Apple, Apple officially wait, discontinues wait. apps. I, I thought this was one of the best videos they've done out of all their it. videos. You didn't like this one? 
Mm-mm. And then like you it, like the I, car karaoke one. You like that one, right? Yeah, that was better. Yeah. Oh, well, God. So the video <laughs> is like all of these apps disappearing and how our our lives are nothing without apps. Essentially, it and was a comedy. It was facetious. It was hilarious. It was not hilarious. I couldn't handle it. I was like, oh my God. Like, it had high production out. value. I really they had some good shots in there. They did. They did. I mean, my app wasn't featured, so whatever. Yeah. You know, we all do that when they like whip a thousand icons across the screen. You're like, whoa, whoa, go back there. Frame by frame. Where's my app? Where's my app? Is it up there? Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. But no, I did. I do really like how Tim came out. He's like, listen, we got six. I'm just skipping over everything. We got six announcements. Go. Mm-hmm. And they opened up, I mean, some were longer, I will say, than others, and some were much, much shorter. And the first one was, what, TVOS? They're like, we got TVOS, right? We got six <laughs> announcements, TVOS. Yeah. And Let's get this one out of the way. <laughs> and that was it. Basically, they would say, we, we still have TVOS. That's what they yeah, said. Yeah, it exists. <laughs> um, I don't Fun. think there was any, any announcements about new APIs or anything, yeah. except for the TV app is doing great, and they have Amazon now coming down the line, which whatever, I have a NVIDIA Shield. I'm super happy with it already. already well, actually, it. I'm, I'm happy for the Amazon, because I think they got Doctor Who now, so finally mm. I can watch Doctor Who again, so I there think that's go. good. There you go. Aside from that, yeah. All right, TV, good job. Let's Boom. move on. The Boom. Apple Watch was next, the next biggest product in Apple's line. <laughs> Doing very well, by the way. The number one selling smart smart mar- ugh, number one selling smartwatch and highest in satisfaction of smartwatches. And I don't have a smartwatch. I tried many uh, Android devices and took them off immediately. Yeah. But uh, I do see more Apple watches in the wild than previous. So I guess it's doing well. Yeah, I, I still have mine. I actually wear it from time to time in like specific circumstances, but I'm I guess I'm not a watch person anymore and I, I don't wear it that often, but it's still a nice product. Still expensive, still hard to write apps for, but it's a nice little product and not much changed on it. So maybe new Apple Watch when the phones come out in the fall. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, not not much. They said that there's gonna be a new watch OS, obviously. Watch OS four is coming. <laughs> they didn't really talk too much about it, but there's gonna be some new complications which I always think is a very funny name for for the feature complications, (laughs) like the little widgets on the home screen. I guess it's a watch term, something like that. (laughs) Do you think it's a watch term in real life? Like a, that's my guess. I haven't actually done the the fact checking, but that was always my guess. I just assumed they were using a proper term. Oh, that makes sense Uh, because on real watches, there are those little little things. Complications. They make it complicated. I have a Mm. nice head cannon for this. Yeah. (laughs) Did but you... we got Woody. We got Toy Story. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't actually know any of the characters in Toy Story except for Woody. But so that's something. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Thank you. That one. I knew that one. Mm-hmm. Bo Peep. Uh, I, I don't know if that, Bo, all they showed that was Woody. Name? I no, think. that's not her name. I can't remember her name. Um, and we got Kaleidoscope. Uh, the weirdest watch face ever. I don't know what they're thinking releasing it, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. But it seemed like the biggest addition here is they've redesigned the watch face and the card system a bit. And their real big focus, obviously, was on Siri being now part of the watch face that you could tap on Siri and talk to Siri directly. I mean, that that to me was yeah. the big like, OK, they're going to it looks like they're doubling down on Siri. And I like the new Siri icon a lot. I'm a big fan oh yeah they, they've always had a good look to siri and, and that's a smart move for them because uh, the times i do use the watch i am siri heavy with it and i think a lot of watch people are also yeah the screen's just kind of too hard to interact with you really need siri backing you up yeah and it seemed like besides even that they 
did a few other things. I think that they talked about they're bringing core Bluetooth and they want to do some other things to really help fitness applications or really, po- you know, I think the watch shines as a fitness device, even though I'm, I don't wear a watch, nor do I work yeah. out that much. But um, actually, I, I want to mention that demo because that was a cool demo. I'm sure other hardware's done this before, but I've never seen it where you can actually pair your watch with your workout machine and mm-hmm. do the full uh, heart rate, calorie burn tra- uh, data transfer between the two things so that your data is in sync with the machine. Now, we all know that calories burn per minute is a complete lie, but you know it's nice to have it synchronized for those with OCD. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think this will be nice. I mean, if you take a look at um, Craig, the the uh, of Xamarin fame, Craig Dunn, ah. you know, he is a big Apple Watch user, but also he is a, you know, triathlete and he runs all the time and he has, I think he wears his Apple Watch plus also a like Garmin watch and then he has the Garmin <laughs> heart monitor and He's different things connect to different things. So this will kind of be a nice win if you can start getting rid. So this is kind of their Garmin watch compete scenario yeah. i think i still don't think they're quite there as far as mm-hmm. i can tell the uh, athletic people tend to get specific watches for that but i, I mean they're great uh the, uh the apple watch works in water like the the improvements they made to swimming lap counting almost mm-hmm. made me want to go swim some laps but <laughs> not enough almost <laughs> yeah so i think it's like a good step i think every year these incremental updates will get it closer but you know no new hardware so maybe this fall like you said who knows I mean, it's kind of uh, those who are in a holding pattern because they wanted they were really excited to start announcing some hardware and some new new software. And when Craig Federighi came out, he could not be more excited. (laughs) Are you talking about the Mac announcement or the fact that we now have a new summer line of watch band colors? Yes, that is correct. That it was, I know, I couldn't have been more excited about the summer watch band collection uh, from Apple this year more than anything. But uh, no, no, I'm definitely talking about the brand new. I'm I'm talking about high Sierra, not just Sierra. I'm talking high Sierra, fully baked, fully Fully baked. baked. They went there. They made the joke. We're we're all holding our breath. Will they make the joke? Will they not make the joke? They made the joke. You had to make the joke. How could you not? What do you think of the name? It's not the worst. Um, Could be worse. (laughs) <laughs> Not the worst, I guess a little disappointed because I don't, I mean, I think that there's other mountains and things that you could eh. point out. I don't know. I don't it know. Just, this seemed like the Lion Mountain Line kind of release where they hmm. just wanted to put an adjective on there. And I thought this was kind of fun. Like they found a way to put the adjective on and it's still a place. So I thought it was kind of clever actually too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought it was actually a pretty big release. I mean, if we're going to put a, a, le- a level of, is this a big Mac OS release? I think it's a, I th- guess it's a bigger release because it comes with all this nope. new hardware. But uh, <laughs> no, you don't think, I mean, there's no, never a big a Mac OS release. release. This is a tiny, tiny Mac release. Uh, they're changing very few things. But they are uh, doing some neat things as in they're replacing the file system. And that's, that's what I'm talking incredible. about. How is that not a, how is that not a big thing, Frank? <laughs> Because that is an implementation detail. Uh, the operating system serves the user. That is a new interface to the hardware. Ooh, it's serving the hardware better. Yippee. But no. I, I, I guess programs the programs serve we, the users. <laughs> we do get some benefits from APFS. It's, it's a modern file system, whereas HFS Plus is uh, a file system from the 1980s that's just been slowly dragged along into the modern day. So it's pretty cool, actually, that we're getting something, something decent. It still doesn't have checksumming i don't think john syracuse is happy like it doesn't have data integrity checking but Mm. aside from that it's pretty modern 
That's good. They, they did show off a copy paste scenario where they took like, I don't know, a few gigs or whatever of data and they they did a copy on the old on, on current Sierra, which took, you know, 30, 45 seconds to copy paste. And then on the new one was near instantaneous, which was like a cool demo, which I appreciate yeah. larger or faster copy paste situations. Sure. So, yeah, especially with all the getting we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, only copy on write semantic where it can just do a shallow copy in the first place. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, one thing to watch out for as programmers, we all have learned that uh, it's going to be a fun little oper- uh, fun file system when it comes to Unicode naming. It's a little, um, there are two variations of it, a uh, case-sensitive version and an insensitive version. The case-sensitive version is a little wacky because it doesn't use Unicode normalization, so it's going to be a little bit of fun if you're a programmer working in non-English languages. If you're just <laughs> keeping yourself to English, good for you. You got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the, I mean, I guess Apple or iOS went through this transition a year ago. Yeah, I guess with iOS 10, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Went smoothly, gave Apple confidence. (laughs) I think so. I mean, when you literally update every iPhone in the world's file system and it goes pretty (laughs) smooth from, I mean, I didn't hear anybody, no one knew that it even happened and that means it's a great release. Yeah, everyone noticed their phone got hot for a little while, but that's about it. Yeah, they're like, whoa, this update is taking a lot longer than it normally does. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah, but I think what really got excited here. So, okay, Mac OS, High Sierra, mm-hmm. not a huge update, nothing crazy. Safari is going to get better. And of course, Safari is apparently still locked to the operating system for some reason. Fastest JavaScript engine on the planet until the next company has their conference and says they have the fastest JavaScript on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I liked your, was it your tweet that said, like, I like that Microsoft, Google, and... Uh, yeah. Apple all have the fastest JavaScript yeah. browser. <laughs> and someone actually explained my joke to me. They actually uh, made a good point, which was um, on their own operating systems, it probably is true. Like mm. on Windows, Microsoft's JavaScript probably is faster. I don't have actual benchmarks to back that up, but you, you can see uh, the big providers optimizing for their kernel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, of course, yeah, I mean, Microsoft's advantage is they're trying to beat out Firefox and they're trying to beat out Chrome and they want to optimize for their hardware for their OS to get down into the nitty gritty where they can tweak out some performance yeah. if they make a core fundamental change to Windows and some API that they can tweak and exactly. get in there. And, and that's exactly what I think, you know, Apple would do, too. It makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And I think you use Safari pretty heavily on yeah, Mac. I- I'm all Safari. Yep. Uh, this is part of like dog fooding the normal experience. I th- we've talked about before how we don't mm-hmm. like to change up machines very much. I want to use a computer kind of out of the box so I understand everything. How it uh, was meant to be. Yeah. I mean, it sounds terrible, but yeah, it's research. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. All right. So here's the fun stuff, because to me, this was the fun stuff is they went all out on Mac updates i mean they did they did they expand everything they got real excited craig federighi got real excited i got Mm -hmm. real excited i started tweeting i almost dropped a few thousand dollars Um, almost (laughs) almost i I still we we got we got new kb lake processors so finally we're getting current current run processors and then i think you noticed that in the macbook adorable or just the macbook as some people call it uh they got proper core i5 chips instead of whatever the heck they were using in the past right m3 m5 processor mobile processors (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't even know what those are (laughs) nobody does uh, apparently i didn't even know they existed yeah so there's 
let's talk first about the MacBook updates, and then let's go into the the actual Mac I'm desktop Mac hardware. <laughs> um, so the first thing was the MacBook updates. A uh, MacBook updates across the board was yeah. There's going to be yeah. um, new Cavi Lake, like you said, faster SSDs. I think which is a great like little perk um, perf yeah. across the board. Um, I think that it was throughout the entire series too. So it's not just like you said, MacBook pros, they even said MacBook air is getting a spec update. Like why? I don't know why. They, they added a megahertz. <laughs> they added a megahertz. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of funny because even if you go to the website, it doesn't say, uh, it doesn't actually say new under MacBook air, but they did say that there was a spec update there, but I don't know. But, uh, um, don't buy, don't buy, don't buy an air. No, no. <laughs> So MacBook Pro, MacBook Pro updates, essentially the same thing. It's not like they reinvented the entire wheel here and like everything is new and amazing and, and different, right? If you get the 15 inch, you're still, they lowered the prices on the introductory price, even lower of the MacBook Pro, I guess, escape, uh, to some extent. The one with the escape key got a price drop, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. If you don't want that bar and you want the escape key, you get a price drop. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I was actually pretty happy. I, I'm happy with the spec bump because I think that's th- those are the years where we all hate where they actually don't even bother to do a spec bump, <laughs> like those really mm-hmm. bad years. So I was actually kind of happy with all these. I had a friend who was not happy with it, said, oh, God, just spec bumps. But I don't know. <laughs> I guess well, I have small ambitions now. <laughs> the one thing that I think that they could have done was on the MacBook Pro line was uh, give it a 32 gig option, but they did not. You know, that's okay. It's 16 gigs still, but mm-hmm. it, but. For, but yeah, but I will say for MacBook adorables, for all those haters out there that hate me walking around with my MacBook adorable rose gold edition, <laughs> it's still the only MacBook you can get in rose gold. Let me tell you how amazing they are. Frank, you already hit on the point that I can now get a new i5 or i7 processor on this puppy, but it gets better. Because not only can I do that, I can select right now Rose Gold, get a 512 SSD with the upgraded specs. On top of that, I can also get it uh, for an 150 bucks. I'll get an i7 processor with a nice. 0.1 gigahertz spec bump. That's not going to do anything, but I'm going to get it anyways. <laughs> and I can now get, that's right, 16 gigs of uh, DDR3 RAM in the MacBook Adorable. Breathing room. You won't have to keep closing apps every time you want to run a new one. <laughs> Those are correct. great computers. I mean, like, like they're the size of my iPad Pro, and mm-hmm. but they're they're full they're full PC hard, or you know Intel hardware. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm pretty excited about it because it's... I don't think I'm ever gonna buy one. I'm kind of like I'll have an iPad for that use case, and I tend to get the bigger, fatter laptops. But wow, those things are adorable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's getting, this is V3. I like to call people at V1, kind of dismissed it. V2 is what I own. I do all of my iOS and Android development inside of Visual Studio for Mac. So I'm really excited about this because like you said, you know, apps that take a lot more RAM, like compiling applications and running Visual Studio and running designers and I will now have a real processor instead of this little M processor. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was pretty excited. And and then they did two things, I'll say, and I think one you're most likely way more excited for, but available today are new iMacs, which I didn't think that they were going to talk about the iMac ever again. Um, <laughs> uh, iMac does, they, they I think it's their biggest selling desktop. And now I'm realizing how stupid those words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the only desktop, but it's the only anyway, desktop. 
they are the biggest selling and I guess the smallest selling. Whatever. Moving on, they did uh they did a spec bump. Uh, I don't remember exactly the details they did to the iMac, but it's what a brighter brighter better screen. Four um, K. Four. It was five K already. How many oh, Ks? Um, oh my god, the Ks they're getting out of control. Four K squared and then five K <laughs> triple. I don't know what it is. Something. Okay, five let's streams. move on. And Five then screens they of resolution. <laughs> okay, fantastic. But then they dropped down the big announcement. Coming December, not now, is the iMac Pro, which is a proper powerful computer from Apple. Finally, thank God, that's not a Mac Pro with its weird architecture of slow CPUs and lots of video cards. This is a down-to-earth, giant processor, uh, pretty big video card it's not nvidia still uh we're getting radions but now we finally get an eight processor option a 10 processor 12 processor they got up to like 16 or 18 8,000 processors 18 18 core xenon processor oh that's gonna be a ten thousand dollar computer but almost worth it um um with a starting price of 5k so this is most definitely a machine you're not gonna buy unless you need it but i am still kind of tempted (laughs) <laughs> yes there is um it's 11 teraflops of single precision or 22 teraflops of half precision um which uh if i may interrupt is actually the current speed i'm getting uh on my neural networks with my uh 1080 uh gtx video card nvidia gtx 1080 that is around 10 teraflops of 32-bit math and so this should be on par with the current stuff, but it's still weird. It's not NVIDIA. I wish it was NVIDIA. Yeah, that's true. I would agree with that. And they need to, they need to make up and become friends again. But uh, I will say I'm very happy to say that the you can get up, a, up to 128 gigs of DDR4 RAM on this puppy with three, <laughs> three gigabyte through, throughput. I mean, my favorite part was there's like the, the video of the fans I don't know what <laughs> what it was, but it's like all these fans and like turbo jets. Remember when they announced the Mac Pro, like the trash right. can? Yes. And it was like glorious. And I think if you still go to the Mac Pro website, it's still there and it's still they glorious. It, but yeah. it's just like this most intricate, you know, yeah. fans and all this stuff. And it, it and they did it again with this thing. And I thought it looked I thought it looked stunning. I don't know how I feel about the dark gray. It's not rose gold, so I don't know if I'm going to buy it. So I don't think you want a giant rose gold thing. That might be way rose, too much rose gold. <laughs> rose gold everything, Frank. That's how <laughs> I live my life. Uh, I, I think the color looks good. I, I'm, not, I'm actually not that dark gray color person either. I, it's, but whatever. It looks good. I know some I think, people love that dark aesthetic. Yeah, I think it actually looks better than the current iMacs, like the actual silvery ones. I think they're kind yeah. of moving... I, when I see MacBook Pros out in the wild with the touch bars, which come in the the different dark. colors of grays, I only see the dark gray. I don't see any of yeah. the light grays. Yep, yep. Good point. So in a couple of years, all the other Macs might start looking old. We're doing mm-hmm. a color shift. Yep. Yeah, that's it's why I got to get rose gold. <laughs> Stay weird. <laughs> I will. I will. So how how do you feel about the Mac product line coming out of... I mean, there was no new Mac Mini. That's never going to happen. I'm pretty sure. No, no. No Mac I, I think, Pro. 
I am in the camp where I wish they had a box machine, like not even a mini, um, because you talked about the fans and you talked about the Mac Pro and they're on record of saying we had thermal problems with that machine, as in we couldn't change any of the hardware because everything ran too hot and we just couldn't push enough air through. And it, you know, from an outsider's point of view, it feels like they're kind of repeating that same mistake on the uh, on the iMac because it's quite a small machine. I'm sure this one's going to be big and heavy, but it's smaller than, you know, a desktop PC. You know, you go buy a tower case or a mini tower case even has so much more room for fans and airflow and ducting and all that good stuff. Um, this machine doesn't. So... I would love to see a proper machine like that, but knowing Apple's direction and knowing that we'll probably only ever get iMacs and MacBooks from now on, these are pretty nice machines. Yeah, they are nice. I mean, like you said, I wish there was a box solution and I have no idea how this is going to run, like whatever magic they're doing, because I mean, I built my own supercomputer not too long ago. We thought we did a whole podcast on it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing has like liquid cooling and like, you know, all this stuff (laughs) and it's not even running it's not running four teraflops or 22 teraflops of performance stuff. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even have a monitor. So I don't know. We're all wondering. The good news is Apple's pretty good engineers. And if they release something, chances are it's going to be fine. The the question is, will we get upgrades for it as usual? We'll find out. That is it. Spec bumps. You're going to get spec bumps. Yeah, it's okay. If I drop five grand, I'm not going to be looking to spend much more for a little while. <laughs> That's true. I, and even me, I got pretty excited about, I, I tweeted that I was almost all in because I've been looking for a personal non-work development machine. And I have a 2013 MacBook Pro, phenomenal machine. I have a mm-hmm. Surface Book. I have a MacBook Adorable, which is my main one. And like, I am, I'm just addicted to the Adorable because I travel around a lot. If I didn't right. travel a lot around a lot, then I wouldn't, I would just get a beefier machine or some mm-hmm. desktop or, you know or even the new iMac, you know, if I was at home all the time, but like throwing an adorable in your backpack, you don't even know it's there. And (laughs) I don't know, I might just break down and do the 2k, but uh, I don't know. (laughs) What a great dilemma to have. What a Mm -hmm. great dilemma. All right, let's get to the big boy. You ready? (sighs) Number four. What could that be? Number four. (laughs) Is that the iOS category? Are we finally on iOS? which currently has a 96% satisfaction, which seems pretty good. Um, Tim Cook came out. He gave a jab at Android, which I think was a little below him, but that's, you know, that's okay. (laughs) They've done it in the past. Every year. They do it every year. It's okay. What was that number for Android upgrades? Something like, oh, what was it? Like 70%, 71% was it? No, no, no. No. It was seven, wasn't it? Just 7%. (laughs) Yes. And iOS was 86%. Hmm. Yes. 86%. Also, by the way, Android 7 is at 10 per, nearly 10%. So calm oh, down. Okay. Old graph. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, and, and Google's doing a lot, by the way. We didn't do a Google I.O. special, by the way. Not, not much exciting happened, by the way. Um, they did announce this thing called Project Treble, which essentially is a re-engineering of all of Android that allows like Android updates to happen like under the hood. It's like a layer on top of a layer. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that improves it. So maybe sure. one yeah. day Tim can go on stage and say, we have 86% <laughs> of people installed. So you can always target the latest version if you don't care about 14% of your users. Um, but, uh, and then point it at Google and just say, look at how terrible those charts are. But yeah. I-, I get it. Well, at least they're being proactive about it. They know it's a problem. So mm-hmm. they're trying. 
All right, so iOS yeah, we, 11, break it down, because um, I am pretty boy, jazzed. Where to start? Let, let's start with the most important thing, Control Center. They fix Control Center, people. It's no longer two pages. You no longer have to go searching for the uh, volume dial. I heard someone talking about this, and they're like, God, there's like a, a, a golden rule of the control pad. Every time you, or Control Center, every time you open it, it's on the wrong page. Guaranteed, it's on the wrong page. So they got rid of the two pages. They made it one page. And you can just add little widgets to it. All Apple provided. Can't add your own widgets to it. But at least it's some customizability. And they fixed it. Thank God. Upgrade just so there, for that. So there's no extensibility, though, into it. Far, yeah, nothing, nothing. Okay. You can tell, like, someday, right? Maybe. But we still have our widgets. Our widgets are on the uh, lock screen still. And they ended up merging the lock screen with the notification screen. Mm-hmm. So all your widgets are easier to get to. All your little Smart. extensions are easier to get at. Yeah. Um, I, I like that mostly because I noticed with iOS 9, what would happen quite often is I would I would see a notification come through and then I would unlock my phone and the notification vanished. I'd go up to the notification center and it's gone from there. And it's like, great, you know, thanks. Yeah, I felt like there was 18 <laughs> places to look for notification. Yeah. <laughs> do I swipe left? Do I stop? It was like Snapchat. Like, which way do I go? I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. It still feels a little bit like that, to be honest. I mean, they really keep padding these screens with more and more stuff. You can still get to the camera from it. Uh, but at least they're trying to unify it. And honestly, I think it's a big improvement. So that's yeah. a win. And then overall, you know what the other big, huge improvement is? Buttons look like buttons. <laughs> We're not using colored text to mean press me anymore. We're using giant rounded rectangles with How did that happen? colors. I think it happened because reali- uh, Apple realized they were hurting humanity, destroying civilization. <laughs> I'm looking right now. I'm looking right. So I, I see. buttons now. <laughs> they are buttons. They finally decided that it was time. <laughs> Which is actually really great news for all the Xamarin Forms developers because you can totally do that in Xamarin Forms. So you can very totally easily. make your app look very modern. <laughs> Yeah. The, the modern aesthetic is actually kind of hilarious. It's uh, big, bold text everywhere, if you've noticed. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of white space, bold colors, simple colors. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's got elements of material. You know, everyone's going toward a little more of a cardy UI, cards, yeah. little borders, things like well, that. Well, they totally did. When you take a look at the brand new App Store, that was the big announcement, is that they mm-hmm. redesigned mm-hmm. the entire App Store Oh god. Um I don't know how I feel about it. It looks terrible. Terrible. Okay, no, no. It looks fantastic. It looks the UI beautiful. is gorgeous. But mm-hmm. what they've done is made the majority of the app um basically editor selections. Mm-hmm. So they've really decreased the density, the amount of apps that you see on a screen at a time uh, when you're just kind of browsing through. And instead you're getting a lot of this cherry pick stuff. Which is really good if you get cherry picked <laughs> because uh, it's a virtuous cycle. Uh, you do better, they recognize you, you do better from that, they keep recognizing you. I've been on that cycle. It's fantastic. Yeah, if you're Monument um, Valley 2 and you are yeah. launching on the same day as WWDC, man, that's a great day for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little money hand- handed over there, I think. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, we we're already going to do great, by the way. I didn't need the right. hand holding. <laughs> But if you're a smaller app trying to make a name for yourself, mm. 
boy, it's hard because that makes your first week of uh, being on the like new release charts like so important then because you're going to have to break off that chart into one of the highest grossing or highest selling or highest downloaded charts get into one of those to get the attention of one of the editors in the hopes that they'll put you into the app because otherwise apps are kind of hidden yeah and if you look at the today so I mean, I see, I see Google struggling with this all the time too, as they're redesigning the Google play store nonstop. And they've seemed to gone with a, um, a recommendation engine. So on your home screen, they have the slider with the top picks and things like that, that they've hand created. And they have, they have a lot of recommendation engines going based off of what you installed previously or what your friends have installed previously or around you. And they kind of combine these together. So like I see a bunch of developery tools on my screen because I'm a developer and I install a bunch of stuff. So I always see all these like Xamarin or .NET or like Android tools because I install a lot of development tools mm-hmm. where I see other people have tons of games because they install tons yeah. of games. So that kind of makes sense to me. But on the Today widget or the Today tab, I should say, and the new tabs have changed icons, by the way, the, the icons are now thicker again. I don't know what's going on anymore in the world of <laughs> iOS. Anyways, I digress. Yeah. New icons for all my apps, apparently. Right. Um, ugh. Anyways, so the cards are huge. Like if you look, yeah. it takes up nearly the entire screen for a single app. Auto playing video. Videos are important. Again, people got to record videos. Yeah. Um, yeah, and even what even a recommendation engine suffers from what I'm calling the editor selection in that you you need to kickstart it because recommendations go by what people are already doing. But if you're introducing an app, literally no one has downloaded it yet. So how do you expose yourself? Yeah. And I think Apple's kind of saying right now, you better buy an ad for your app because otherwise you're going to disappear in the store. Oh, search ads. Yeah. And by the way, search yeah. ads, um, we should do a whole episode on them because I had really <laughs> good success, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can talk I, about I, it. I need to get on that. <laughs> mm, yeah, they're good. They're, they're, they're good. Yep. So uh, the App Store, it's gorgeous, but honestly, I think Apple did a disservice to app developers with it. They seem to be you know, perpetuating this mythos they're building around app developers, you know, with their stupid show and all that stuff, instead yeah. of like paying attention to what we actually want and need and then things like that. But oh yes, Planet of you the gotta Apps. You got to build the mythos. You got to build the crap. <laughs> did you watch Planet of the Apps? By the way, I heard it was the most I'm terrible thing ever. It. I just the concept makes me sick. To my stomach <laughs> if you throw up a little bit in your mouth <laughs> yeah I, I, you, you could make me watch it for torture if you need to get something out of me but that's about it <laughs> yeah so there's a few other things that did happen by the way i will say that already on the uh itunes connect and in test flight some things have happened so they started for developers so kind of they had a slide on we've done test flight improvements because we know that you guys are releasing <laughs> apps so Turns with out. the new app store redesign there's some new app features so you now have like promotional text and they're going to give you a byline somewhere i don't think that's available yet but you can already do a promotional text which i'm hovering over currently it says promotional text lets you inform your app store visitors of any current app features without requiring an updated submission this text will appear above your description um, if they're running iOS 11 or higher. So it's like a promo tag kind of, uh, yeah. uh Google has it already, okay. but they did, um, phase releases. Right? So you can roll out <laughs> releases over time. 
that one I like. That one's fun. Um, mm-hmm. th- this is for when you're out of beta, you're pretty confident in either what a new release or most likely an update, though, like a big update that's going to mm-hmm. change something. And this is where you're like, maybe I only want 10% of people to see this to just to minimize the uh, support calls in case you did break something. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then they did, it says that they did some, they've been always improving the review time, which I will say is usually under 24 hours. Yep. They also essentially have now test flighting of multiple builds, which is fantastic. And they said more users, which I don't know what that means when it says more users. (laughs) I think there's a maximum number of beta testers and I think they up that number. Yeah, that's my guess. So so someone went into the database and they modified (laughs) 100 to 1,000. Is it really a thousand? I don't know. I'm gonna look. I think right it was now, at two hundred. The last my brain is telling me. You can create groups. Already seems like a lot of people, but yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't really. There's all testers. I can. I only have two testers. Me. Um, <laughs> not, not positive. I have to look at this. But you can create groups. Yeah. And stuff. Anyway, so there's some updates there. Two. Oh, there you go. Two thousand. I don't know what the old one was. I think a thousand. Now it it's two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's cool. Yep, yep. Hmm. Uh, some other nice iOS 11 things. Um, they finally uh, put QR codes into the proper mm-hmm. camera app. So thank God for that. Uh, I liked saying there was a lot of Sherlocking in this one where mm-hmm. Apple implemented a lot of features that prior to this were apps, you know, people making money off of apps. And Sherlocking is just when Apple does that. <laughs> they, they make their own version and kind of kill your app by, you know, everyone just uses the built-in one. Which is cool. Um, I, I want QR codes to be easier. I, I feel bad for people who are Sherlocked, but you know it happens. I'm, I'm, just I'm also going to put Sherlocking notes. into the uh, into the show notes for anyone that wants to do a little bit deeper into it. <laughs> do I need to explain that anymore? No, you're good. Okay. Uh, Another place where they Sherlock people is the Notes app. The Notes app got tons of upgrades. Mm. And one feature in particular I'm excited for is document scanning because I run a business and people keep mailing me stuff and it's super annoying. And so even in 2017, I'm scanning documents and it's pathetic. And again, up till now, I was using a little app for it. But now that it's built into the Notes app, I'll probably switch over to just using that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see all the Evernotes and all the other ones that are mm-hmm. have made a living and career around just yeah scanning a document yeah. and optimizing it and see how good they take it because you know I think they probably want to scan it and they probably want to do a whole bunch of stuff and um, with it. But uh, for me, what was most impressive about this release to really get into it before we jump to five and six, which we'll deep dive into later, was this amazing new. There's three new kits. There's multiple new kits. There's a music kit and stuff like that. <laughs> but I was blown away by a brand new AR kit, core Woo! ML kit. I'm going to call it and a VR <laughs> kit. So there's three new kits, a VR kit, an AR kit, and core machine learning. And yeah. they crushed it. I tweeted that they crushed yeah. it with these new SDKs. The demos were phenomenal. Um, I'm blown yeah. away. Yep, yep. Uh, Let's start with ARKit. Uh, Mm -hmm. So this is augmented reality. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it in the past. And I mentioned, uh, I think like five years ago, I was trying to guess. I could look this up, but I gave a presentation on how to write an AR app for the iPhone. So we've always been able to do this technically, right? Like the sensors were kind of there, the hardware could do it. But what Apple has released is a brain 
dead simple way to write an augmented reality app mm-hmm. and it just it's a game changer because they just made it so simple like uh if if you create their file new template it's not that much different from a blank app you know it shows a screen it says here's a 3d world just start adding some 3d objects to this 3d world from a programmer's point of view that's all there is to it and as someone who's written a lot of AR code in the past and struggled with sensor fusion and uh, just drift and compensation, all this stuff, oh, how happy I am that Apple has released their own version that I can just sit back and rely upon. Yeah, and I will say they showed a demo of Pokemon Go running on not AR kit and running on AR kit. And what they do here is they fuse the, they call this VIO, the visual inertial odometry. Wow. Vio. <laughs> this fuses together the camera sensor data and the core motion data coming from all the gyros and all the accelerometers, all that stuff that you'd normally have to do manually. And, and it, that essentially fuses it together to give you, uh, that essentially gives you two inputs. And sort of says, and it allows you to sense inside the room, the like the floor, the table. Mm-hmm. So when they did Pokemon Go, right, they go, all right, so there's Pokemon and, and this Pokemon Pikachu, Pikachu or whatever is literally sitting on the ground. And when I flick the yeah. ball, it literally bounces on the ground, not in just this yeah. weird <laughs> place. Like it knows around the horizontal planes and the, the camera. And as you move around it, it like is mapped to it. And I'm assuming that I had very little work from the developers to do since they've already put stuff in there. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it sits inside of alongside essentially metal scene kit and they've worked with unity and the unreal engine to implement this inside of it. So I think it's like really, really crazy. Like they, I mean, they crushed it. I mean, yeah, they they crushed it. Yeah. I'm blown away and I want to do this. I've already written two demo apps. Like that's how excited I am about this. I, I made a hopscotch game. So anywhere there's a flat surface, you can plop down a hopscotch uh, court or mm. yeah, whatever you call it. And then you can play hopscotch on it. It's not it, that great, but it's fun. And then I did uh, a virtual measuring thing where you could just uh, measure the heights of tables and the distance between objects and move virtual oh. rulers around the room. It's a really great little thing. Now I do have one critique of it. Uh, uh, we mentioned that they're fusing the accelerometer and the gyro and the camera. Those are all great. What those don't give you is absolute positioning to the earth, as in I want to know what direction north is mm. so that I can do true augmented reality where like, I know where roads are, I know where cars are. You know, I can pull in data from other places. Uh, so they, they do have a mode for that, um, but they're, <laughs> it's not quite as good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It suffers from all the problems we, we've all had when we've tried to build those kinds of systems. But their in-room relative one is pretty fantastic. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's the one thing when you, we talked about, like, are you going to install it and do all this stuff? Like, that's the one I want to play around with. I mean, and this machine, Core ML, if you will. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, because it's essentially like all of a lot of their demos are all around things that you could do already that I really love. So like I watched some of the demos around um, um, a lot of the cognitive services in a way, essentially being able to highlight boxes, highlight faces, get all these different Mm -hmm. things in. Mm -hmm. They they have a lot of these in their services and part of this kind of machine learning and vision APIs. But they also have a whole like neural network type thing. These are all things way above and beyond anything that I'll comprehend, but I feel as though 
that Apple will be able to pull this together so even I could understand it perhaps. Because when I went to Google I.O. and tried to learn about TensorFlow and we've talked about <laughs> TensorFlow, I just kind of felt uh, confused. Yeah. But I feel like if I'm just doing it on an iOS device that it may, like, I might be able to figure it out. Yeah, this is uh, so many <laughs> so many things to talk about here. <laughs> um, <laughs> where to begin, where to begin? Um I want to draw a distinction first. So you said mm-hmm. services. I want, to, I want to pick apart that word. So both Microsoft and Google in their recent conferences have totally talked about machine learning and big data and blah, 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 blah. And what they were always pushing was their cloud services. So upload this image to us and we'll tell you if it's a hot dog. That one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For both of those companies, where Apple is being different here, and this is the part that I'm excited about, the part that I've been waiting for, is these are running on device. I'm running these neural networks on device so I can do it with video. I can do it instantaneously. I don't have to wait for the network. Me as a developer, I don't have to pay a service fee to Google or Microsoft. You know, If I train a neural network, I can just dump it on this device. And that's just that's huge for me. Um, I don't want to be making network calls, especially for video and things like that. Yeah, the service is the phone, which you've paid a developer registration for, and people have downloaded and found your application. And I think that Google is trying to move this way with TensorFlow. They have this thing called TensorFlow Lite, which they demoed essentially coming to iOS and Android, where you could run TensorFlow on it. Um, So that's kind of cool. And I think the problem is that, you know, I mean, I think it's cool that it's cross-platform in a way. But then also here, what's nice is that uh, I don't, it's an Apple API, so you know it's going to be good. I don't know. That's well, kind of my... It, it's Apple's GPUs, too. Mm-hmm. Like Optimized, Apple put yeah. some giant, big GPUs in their devices because they're running these complicated screens and so that they can run games. Well, if you're doing something that's not a game, then you might as well use that GPU to do other things. And let's have it run in our network. Mm-hmm. We can run very big Bayesian filters. You can, you know, run very big things on this thing now. And one thing that's pretty cool about what they did and this is a problem with the current world of neural networks and everything is that there are so many engines out there there's tensorflow there's torch uh there's Keras on top of tensorflow everyone's got their own library their own way of doing it their own way of storing models their own way of executing models so apple did something kind of cool too is they released this little python library that could convert these i think it's like four different models right now into their standardized model, you know, standardized in quotes there, because whatever, it's just Apple's format. But that's really cool, because if you're working in any of those four, then you can just use their tool to convert it to their API, and then you can Mm -hmm. just use their API. Nice. Yeah. It's kind of bananas. And and what's cool, like you said, is these big, beefy CPUs and GPUs they have in there. What's interesting about Core ML is that it's actually built on top of Metal and Accelerate, and and I don't know too much about Accelerate because uh, I've more recently found out about it. But I know about Metal, essentially, these core APIs to do these super low level things. So this is that classic, this is that classic Apple API, which is taking these really low level 
really complicated APIs and surfacing some services and APIs on top of them. And I think what's interesting is they started with a way of taking the data, like you said, and converting it into a machine learning thing, but they've built into the kit all of those other services that other providers have had, but it's in the kit, right? So face tracking, face detection, landmarks, mm -hmm. text detection, rectangle, barcode, object tracking, image registration. And then there's a whole processing API to do things like uh, language identification, tokenization, um, part of speech and, and name um, identity recognition. So all these cool different things you can really do deep learning on are, are built in. I'm not a machine learning uh, expert or AI expert at all, but to me, this is really, really cool. Like I am blown yeah. away by these two kits. Yeah, in fact, one app I'm writing over the summer is definitely using one of them. In fact, on their website, uh, developer.apple.com, they actually have four pre-trained models. You can just download those, a small one, a medium one, a medium one, and a giant one. <laughs> and so you can just uh, download those and try them out. And honestly, in the future, hopefully, you know, someday someone will have the GitHub for neural networks where we can all freely trade these things, uh, trade pre-trained models and stuff like that. But... Uh, it is neat how they have the API spanning from here's a specific task, object tracking. Well, and then here's another one, um, like you said, language processing. But they're all built off of the same kind of low-level um, mm -hmm. linear algebra library. And just to add a point, uh, the Accelerate framework, that's their optimized library for the CPU. So if you're mm -hmm. doing a lot of number crunching and you want to do it on the CPU, you use the Accelerate library. If you want to do a lot of number crunching on the GPU, you use Metal. Got it. There we go. That makes sense. So that's why it's built on top of it. Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. So let's bust through these really quick. We're already at 50 minutes. We're in it. Yeah. This is a big episode where I'm excited because this is essentially what happened at the keynote um, where they went through like one through four and that took like way long time. And then five came around. <laughs> that was really long. And then six was like a little whatever, but okay. um, went way too <laughs> long. Five. So we're over iOS because iOS lends to not only the iPhone, but it also lends to the iPad. And with iOS Ooh. 11, I like to say that the iPad is essentially almost <laughs> getting really close to becoming Mac OS. I was worried about how insulted I was going to be at the end of that sentence. So not, not too insulted. Yeah, I've, I've heard this one before. Everyone's saying it's becoming like a Mac. Look, we don't have overlapping windows yet, but what we do have is drag and drop, baby. Mm -hmm. We got drag and drop. Finally, we've been begging for it for about 11 operating system releases, and we <laughs> finally got it. Uh, this is super exciting. Um, from a developer's point of view, it's pretty easy to integrate into our apps already. If you, In fact, if you just have a bunch of text boxes and things like that, already they're all just going to work um, but even if you have custom views it looks like a pretty simple protocol to implement that uses apis that you're already comfortable with if you've ever done anything with like the clipboard we've always had the clipboard remember mm -hmm. um, so if you've written that kind of code before uh, drag and drop is pretty simple code to write also so again apple knocking out of the park and apis i also <laughs> heard someone say this is like the third time they've implemented drag and drop so they really know what they're doing at this point yeah and they now this is not a drag and drop is not only just for ipad it's also for iphone mm -hmm. uh, and they gave a lot of demos especially in the developer keynote they did like 18 demos of drag and drop. They really want you to be drag and dropping. And <laughs> they had did one cool demo is they had like cards. Let's say you have like a card game. You could start a drag of a card and then you can tap the other ones and then it would add it to yours. But it did seem like the iPad, like on all these demos of drag and drop, like it was laid flat, like on the surface and they wanted to use multiple <laughs> hands and things like that. So it kind of became yeah. this 
interesting. I wonder how it's going to work when I'm sitting on the couch type of scenario. Well, but I don't I, know. I, I've been using it for a couple of days now, and I can mm-hmm. say it's 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 fine. Um, so what they often use the second hand for is to do multi-selection. That's one. Um, so you mm-hmm. picked up an object. That's easy. It's just your finger. Uh, but then you want to add to it. So often they use their second hand to go select a few other things. I found, honestly, just pivoting my thumb around or another finger to be mm-hmm. fine. You know, we, okay. we have multiple fingers. Turns out five per hand on a lot of people. Um, so use them. And then uh, the same goes for like if I want to move something out of my app into another app, you generally need to bring up the dock or a switcher or something like that to get to the other app. And that's the other thing you might use your other hand for. But again, my thumb works fine. <laughs> you just flick <laughs> up and then you can move to another app. So I don't so, know. Well, I think they did a good job. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. And the nice thing is that a lot of the apps work out of the box. If it's a text view or if it's a web content, it'll just kind of work automatically. So that's nice. One thing that I found interesting, though, more than even drag and drop was the new bottom taskbar, which mm-hmm. really looked Mac OS-y in a way. <laughs> Very much. was interesting because you slide up from the bottom and you get this app bar where you can drag and drop icons into and have your favorites and most used and all that stuff. Then you have to like four finger swipe from the bottom or something to get the what? the home or like to get the um the, the all the yeah. the task switcher the big task switcher. screen switcher yeah. I I always double click the home button for that one so I, I don't know maybe it is four fingers from the bottom I didn't know that gesture yeah I was watching oh, the you, Verge uh, they did mm-hmm. a they did a recap of a kind of like what's new on the iPad ten point five inch by the way that's the new hotness of the iPad oh, Pro yeah we forgot to mention. Forgot to mention, it's a new size. I have the other one. It seems fine. I don't know. Um, yeah. I have enough cool. iPads for the moment. <laughs> All right. Anything else about the iPad? Let's finish this puppy off. Oh, I want a real quick one. Um, they finally gave us access to NFC. So if you mm. ever interface with external hardware, uh, the, the newest line of the phones have had NFC, but they never gave us programmers access to it. But they do now. So that's really cool uh, if you're doing anything along those lines. And then they also integrated um, file systems into apps. So apps can share their file systems and we get a unified file system on the iPad finally, which really does make it kind of like a Mac. Because if you remember, they never wanted a file system, but we yeah. got it now. <laughs> we got it. So that, does that mean something like continuous, which is file based for my projects? I could basically send it back and forth and we could share some yeah. files. It can, uh, yeah, my app can expose itself as a file provider and then just show up in, in your file system. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Then you could like take it to the GitHub client and then push and pull and yep. just saying. I'm hoping all file-based apps actually do do it. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, the last thing, number six, and there was okay. no one more thing. <laughs> this number, And then we still want to cover the developer stuff because I will spend not too much time on it, but I want to go in because there were some cool developer things that happened during that. And I don't know how much you watched it, but I watched all of it. <laughs> so Apple said, we're going to reinvent music. We're going to reinvent home audio. We're going to re we're Apple. We have a bunch of Mac <laughs> pros sitting around. So what if we took out the guts, put in a speaker, put some felt on it, and then boom, HomePod. <laughs> HomePod, homeboy. Yeah. Uh, the H-Pod. Uh, it's a, a terrible pod. name. <laughs> HomePod. So this is your, this is their Sonos competitor. Their <sighs> yeah. Google slash Echo-ish competitor, but all it does so, is play music. 
it would be a competitor if it wasn't three times the cost of those yeah. devices, you know? So it's not really in the same field. I think they're definitely going after the pro audio market, which mm-hmm. if for you, great. I live in a 600 square foot apartment. If anything's louder than, you know, <laughs> room voice, I get yelled at. So I don't care about these like fill your room with audio. Like, okay, nice. Good for you. Um, and it's $350 for that big speaker that runs Siri, but it even sounds like a slightly handicapped version of Siri, like a slightly uh, reduced version. Yeah, it seems like maybe Siri doesn't know too much about you or your surroundings or app integrations or anything like that, because there's no API, but you can see that they're probably going to go this route, just like Google did and... I don't know. Yeah, uh, so it does have access to HomeKit. So if your app works through HomeKit, that should work. I don't remember, did it have access to HealthKit? Could you do like, am I going to die today, Siri? You know, you're just going to ask Siri about the weather and say dingus this and (laughs) dingus that. Set a timer. Is it hot out? Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. That's all you're going to do. And then 18 of your devices are going to light up. (laughs) I'm not going to do any of them. I love my Echo. Alexa and I work together. Yeah, I'm I'm I like to say my my good friend Jesse, we were we were uh, we were texting back and forth. He got a new TV and I was like, I don't know how I feel about these smart speakers like I do have one and everyone has one. And uh, he said he goes, he goes the uh, where's he goes? He goes home assistance 2017 equals a smartwatch in 2014 where <laughs> it's, you know, everyone has yeah. a smartwatch and everyone this and then everyone's still trying to figure it out and all that jazz, you know what I mean? So No, actually, uh, I disagree completely with that one. I think the watches are the one that was kind of pushed on us, whereas I mm-hmm. feel these home assistants is more of a ground up kind of swelling. I, we, I make fun by saying I only ask it for the weather and to set timers, but it's really liberating and awesome to have like a little home computer. This is totally V1 of these products. Oh, They're yeah. going to be huge. They're going to take over the world. <laughs> so the watch, I think, is a cute little thing, but I already have a phone in my pocket. You know, it's fine. But having a centralized home kind of automator, especially once it starts controlling things, it, it's not just a toy. Like it's, <laughs> I can't articulate it, but Frank loves it. everyone's going to mm-hmm. have one. Two. Yeah. Yeah, Apple said you should buy two of these. It'll fill the room more. They did say that. They said, please give us $700. We'd appreciate that. (laughs) All right. So that was the keynote. I felt pretty good after the keynote, um, the stream of it. I think overall, I was really excited about the MacBooks. I was excited about iOS 11. But I felt, though, I didn't have my developer fill. I felt like I was lacking the... What? Yeah, like I was... You know, there was no nothing new about like Xcode or iOS or like development. I mean, there's new APIs. Yes, like I got my core machine yeah. learning and my AR kit like that yeah. really jazzed me. But I didn't I mean, I know it wasn't the developer keynote, which is why then you told me that there was a developer keynote after because mm-hmm. I wanted to see code. I wanted to see stays off. And and I don't know, I watched the developer keynote afterwards and I really liked how they demoed it, which was almost mm-hmm. all in slides with really, really fancy, amazing graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that's how I a, felt. This is an important lesson if you're new to the WWDC. The, the first keynote is for the press. The, mm-hmm. the state of the union is for us. That's the one we really tune in for. We, we watch the keynote because it's fun. But the state of the union is where the real information is. Which was out. different than, it was kind of different than Build and different than Google I.O. Because Google I.O., they had this keynote and then they had a developer keynote later. 
but it was only 30 minutes and they mm-hmm. only really Long just reiterated direction. exactly what was in the keynote. And I go, I don't know why I'm here. And build was two, it's two days. There's a cloud one and then there's a windows one and everything is kind of jambled in there. So I don't mind it going this way. I just was glad that you told me to watch the state of the union one, which <laughs> turned out really good. I liked it. They, went really heavy on stuff, some new interesting things for developers. So we'll get into some developer speak even heavier is talking about Mac OS and high Sierra. Um, iOS 11 only will accept 64 bit applications. They gave us 18 oh, yeah. years, um, but it's official <laughs> 32 bit apps gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good riddance. Don't need them. <laughs> I'm tired of compiling for the old architectures, to be honest. You you know me. I've been doing 64-bit only for a little while now. Yeah. I'm sorry if you have an older device. I really am, but... It's time to upgrade. <laughs> Is it your five-year-old? I think iPhone 5, maybe? A 5S for sure was 64-bit, because that's right. what the so live the players five. Yeah. Now, High Sierra, by the way, will be the last release of macOS to support 32-bit apps. Right. Well, th- that's not exactly what they said at full performance. So at they might have to start running an emulation layer or something nasty mm-hmm. to run them in the future. The thing is, they're tired of shipping two versions of the OS. We, all you Windows users know it. You have program files and program files x86. Mm-hmm. You know, two versions of the OS. How wonderful. So th- I think they're just tired of it and just want to ship the 64-bit version only. Yeah, that makes sense. I always thought that everything was 64-bit because like everything that I install, I think had like a 64-bit version. I didn't have to think about it, I guess, and it just worked. I don't know. Yeah, they, but, they've been pushing it for a while. We're, we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Kind of running through down, you know, for tvOS, they, they kind of went through each of the categories again. So like tvOS got a few little updates. They have like right to left support and a little bit of other things. So nothing really on the tvOS side of things. Watch OS, I think we hinted out at Core Bluetooth. They have a new recording API. Again, <laughs> whatever. Mac OS, I, I will reiterate here, new file system, VR, metal, speed, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think with iOS 11, they came out swinging and they said, listen, this is the biggest re- iPad release ever. So you, yeah. if you're making iPad apps or you have an app that runs on the iPad, you need to start optimizing and we've made it simple. So the multitasking, the doc mode, the drag and drop kind of builds on everything that they did over the years. And I think that plays well with the resizing and the auto layout support and all that stuff that they do. If you updated your app for iOS nine, which I hope you did because that was, that was the true uh, breaker for the iPad where they changed how resizing works and how Mm -hmm. windowing works. So hopefully you already put that effort in for iOS 9 and your app will just come along for the ride here. But if you haven't, you better soon because multitasking is pretty huge now and your app better be compatible with it or people won't use your app. Simple as that. So that was basically it. I mean, they reiterated a lot on machine learning and the the AR kit that I think that uh, we went over earlier, but then they went a lot of time on Swift 4, which is newer. There's a new string. They got really excited about a string. That's a string, I guess. Swift, They're like, I, I, I want to explain. Swift, Swift was always kind of awesome because they actually implemented the Unicode standard. Mm-hmm. Most people, you know, find a part of the Unicode standard that doesn't make them want to vomit, and then they implement that part. But then Swift is just like, no, we're going full standard, which is cool and all, but it made programming strings kind of needlessly hard, you know, compared to like people who didn't take the Unicode standard that seriously. <laughs> and so it was kind of a burden. Um, so what they did is they just cleaned up their APIs quite a bit mm-hmm. in that area. 
And they have a new type called Codable, which I thought was kind of interesting that essentially makes it really, really easy to encode and decode your objects as JSON. Yeah. Which was cool. This is another place where I've always actually been a little jealous of Objective-C APIs, where so many objects on it implement NS coding, the NS coding protocol, which means they can be serialized and deserialized. We did this a lot in .NET too. Remember, we used to make our classes serializable, but then mm-hmm. Silverlight came along and killed that, mm-hmm. and Silverlight ruined everything. And I hate <laughs> Silverlight and blah blah blah. And now no one, now we don't have standard serialization in .NET anymore again because of Silverlight. <sighs> so I'm slightly jealous of Objective-C and now Swift for having a standardized serializer. We have JSON.net. It's fine. It works. It just, you know, I wish it was baked in. To like yeah, it would be cool. And we do have like JSON, right? We have a JSON system.json or whatever in there. Yeah. There's like nobody uses. <laughs> no one. <laughs> nobody. Because it's slow as dirt. And like, yeah. you know what? Your implementation matters. And Microsoft's like, why don't people use it? Because it's a bad implementation, people. Like, period. Full stop. Yeah, we need to need to tune that puppy up somehow. Yeah. Um, okay, so outside of the IDE, some new things happened, which I hope that Visual Studio for Mac will take in to practice. One was that mm-hmm. Well, Visual Studio uh, 2017 already had this, which was multiple simulator sessions. Um, This was always possible, really, actually. Um, However, Apple never exposed it, and Visual Studio for Mac never exposed it, but this remote simulator for iOS or for Visual Studio did did do it. So you could have an iPad, another one, so you can now launch as many simulators as you want all over the place officially on a Mac. So I hope that we roll that in somehow in Xcode 9. I actually like that because if you're doing any kind of network communications or any kind of data syncing, uh, you always end up doing this anyway. Some kind of you either end up with device and simulator or something. So this is just a big win for developers. Yeah. And then they did another thing, which was wireless debugging, which Ooh, they like didn't demo or show or anything, <laughs> but they're like, we did it. I've actually been using it the last couple of days. It's pretty good. Uh, you it? can do your deployment and debugging. Obviously, it's a little bit slow, uh, <laughs> depending on your network and all that stuff, because, you know, file transfers and all that stuff. Um, but once it gets moving, it's pretty good. And it's been pretty reliable, actually. Uh, that's so, nice. Yeah, I another mean, one. I that's nice. get that updated, too. Yeah, I guess that's nice when you need to do something in the real world and you don't want to carry your laptop around with you and you need to go do something or I don't know. Uh, you know what it's been great for is developing these little AR demos that I've been writing mm. because the moment you run the app, it. you want to pick up the device and having a cord is bad. <laughs> yeah. See also now, Xamarin Live Player. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Xamarin Live Player already. Exactly. Already debugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, we already had some of these features. Um, <laughs> but what else did they do? So Xcode 9... I was blown away how excited uh, I'm going to call them Xcode developers, I guess. So Xcode, uh, if you do, if you use Xcode, I'm sorry, but good for you because you got some new features like refactoring and renaming. Rename like, things now. <laughs> control commands, con, command plus. Like, did you see all the ceremony around renaming? Like for us, we're just constantly renaming, but for them, it's like pop up a dialogue, get the confirmation. It's like the renaming we had in Visual Studio 2008, you know, it's just like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay, we're not making fun, but I love Xcode. It's actually a really fantastic IDE, but in terms of programming editor and how good it is, it's just 
It's so behind. It's so behind. (laughs) (laughs) This was a good catch up year they had. They really focused on doing analyzers and they call them fixits, which I think are really interesting because they've attempted, I don't know how long fix the the button fix has been in there. Like Mm -hmm. when you have a code problem, like, oh, you need to implement this interface fix. It like says fix. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that belittles me as a developer. I don't know. Holding your hand, fix your mistake, kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They did some good things that Visual Studio for Mac does too, which is on like kind of putting in boilerplate or stuff like that. That's a nice feature. I think uh, Miguel demoed or Joseph demoed was, let's say you have uh, uh, an object in VS or Mac and you say, I disposable. If you right click, you can implement the interface or implement the interface with a base implementation. So that's kind of cool. Um, so that's kind of what Xcode brought in with these refactorings and fixits and things like that. Um, I did like, you know what I did like in the rename is the the code folding. So like when you search for, let's yeah. say monkey or whatever, or you, you, you right click and say rename, it will search through all of your source code and not only in that file, but in the project and then code fold. It's like a really, someone had really fun with animations basically. You know, you know what Apple's good at, James? Hmm animation you know it might have taken them a while to implement rename but it's the prettiest looking rename ever it's true these especially xcode that's what i was saying i think it's a fantastic editor because it's just so good looking (laughs) but you know some of the core features are missing but man they are good at making it look good they are good at making it yeah and it's um it's very interesting they got real excited about command plus about increasing the font size which honestly i will say it has to be the it's last IDE to <laughs> implement this feature. I mean, if you don't know what Command Plus does, it just increases the font size. I'm like, I, I know every time I open up Xcode when I'm doing a demo, I was like, man, how do I increase the font size? I'm like, Control Plus, and then you can't do like it. it's hard. It's it used to be hard to to do it because every single thing had its own property. So it wasn't like just oh, increase the font size of yeah. everything. Yeah. It was how do you want your vars and how do you want your lets and how do you want I remember. your I spent like a day doing it. I was going through and increasing every single one of them. Actually, uh, when I was uh, an employee at Microsoft, I had a uh, a coworker who liked these multiple font size for the different elements of their code. So like a function declaration would be a giant font. Comments would be ti- tiny font. Uh, numbers would be bold or, you know, giant bold, like just all sorts of sizes everywhere. I couldn't dig that, but it was kind of funny. That's what I ended up making mine look like just because I was trying. Yeah. I don't know. I was, um, I was blown away here on the, on the Xcode improvements, but Hey, if you're using (laughs) Xcode, you're going to be really happy. Um, it's faster. They're like, look at a scroll, this document. And I go, that's cool. Scrolling documents. Love that. (laughs) Go for it. Like they're like honestly, he's like look at look at a scroll, and you can hit you can hit the home button, and it goes right to the top. I told you they're really good at animation. I bet you that thing was scrolling at sixty frames per second, which you know is something you can't say for Visual Studio for a Mac. You know we have excellent renaming, but we don't scroll at sixty frames per second. We do not. And by the way, they had a big bullet point on top that says this is all happening at sixty frames per second. Did they really? They did. Oh. They did. Called it. I saw where that was going. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, this reminds me, we did skip something with the iPad. Uh, the newest iPads are going to be 120 hertz native mm. instead of the 60 hertz that we're all used to, 60 frames per second. So just putting that out there, we we all used to use the rule of um, if you can't do it in 160th of a second, you have to do it on a background thread. Well, that just turned into 1 100th of a second. So. Oh. Didn't realize start, that. Start awaiting even more. <laughs> more awaiting. <laughs> Wait everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And they did something really interesting, I guess, talking to the iPad 2, specifically around Swift Playgrounds, which has been mostly used for educational and has like a lot of millions of downloads, which is really impressive. But one thing really cool that they did around Swift Playgrounds that they highlighted at the developer keynote is that they will now allow Swift Playgrounds. It has its own like app store inside yeah. of it. And what's cool about this is I don't think that, I don't know if we, us as Xamarin developers can take advantage of it, but what you can do is let's say you have an API or you have um, something, you can essentially create your own Swift Playground feeds that developers or users or educational things can subscribe to. So this is cool if you're doing like a math-based programming and you want to do mm-hmm. Swift Playground to, to do math blasters. <laughs> like if you have math <laughs> blasters, you could do that. That's my favorite math computer game back when I was in like fourth grade. Um, if anyone plays, if anyone has ever played Math Blasters, please let me know because it is phenomenal. I'm gonna put. I a, know gonna, I played it. I just can't remember it. I'll have to go look at some screens. Math Blaster. Um, if you just the name type is it so in. familiar. Is it still around? <gasps> it oh, is, but it doesn't look is as there a cool. 64-bit version. <laughs> um, is it GPU accelerated? Ah, oh, oh my gosh! I'm gonna Math Blaster episode one. Oh yeah, insert <laughs> of spot. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. Ladies I'm gonna and gentlemen, we know the topic for next week. We've now determined it. Math blaster. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought this was cool. They didn't really demo that part of it, but they do have this little little app store inside Xcode. They got real excited about GitHub integration. They're like, "Look at our GitHub integration. You guys love source control mm, branching." Yeah. <laughs> Had that been there, done that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's some good stuff. They, it is they, did, good they did good work. This could have been, look, in a nutshell, this is one of those years where the operating system didn't change from underneath us. There were mm-hmm. no big renovations. What they did is they threw a bunch of APIs at us, said, go do something with these. And for the Xcode developers, they gave you a new Xcode and said, go make better apps. So this <laughs> yeah. is kind of like um, an easy year for us as developers. <laughs> like all the expectation is create something awesome, but not like rewrite your app. So mm-hmm. this is kind of the year I love. I don't know how users will feel about it, whether they'll be like kind of bored by the iOS release or anything like that. But as a developer, this is exactly what I wanted. New toys, nothing from underneath changing. Yeah, I'd agree. That was the same with Google IO this year. I was like, hey, there's a small incremental update. There's a bunch of cool APIs where I could do some cool stuff, but I'm not going to have to rewrite my entire application. I could mm-hmm. I could t- kind of tie in. Maybe there's some cool app ideas that I could kind of use one of these new APIs that are out there on one of these devices. We have four platforms, people, to, um, and actually iPad is its own platform. So I think even more than that, I think there's five platforms um, that you can now essentially take your code and do some really cool things with. So I agree with you. I think that it was a really solid, solid year. Uh, I feel as though I'm not going to have to worry that much about this fall. I assume that you've upgraded iOS 11 and all the apps run. 
all all the apps I care about. Actually, MoCast is having a little trouble. They must have changed the media API a tiny mm. bit. So I'm going to have to look into that one, but everything else is running great. What would be cool is if you could pull in, there's a new music kit. If you could auto import right. all of the podcasts. That, that's something we it. didn't mention. The, the music kit's kind of fun because it gives you a standard API to a large music library. Now, these are available if you had like Spotify. I think Spotify had like an API and things like that. But it's always fun when you're writing for iOS to stick to Apple stuff because they have a lot of customers using their own stuff. So just hit that API. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about? This has been the longest merge conflict. I can't believe we've gone this long. No, I think we'll let people go and just thank them for listening and hope they enjoyed it as much as we did. I hope that you all listen to it on (laughs) 1.15%, I don't know, something like that. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Yes. Well, you can find us anytime. You can get back to our normally scheduled programming by subscribing to Merge Conflict on all of your favorite devices that are currently out there. If you happen to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you gave us a review. It really super helps us out in the App Store. You can, of course, go ahead and uh, give us some feedback personally. If you want to tell us what you thought about WWDC 2017 and what you think about these special editions, go ahead and go to mergeconflict.fm or tweeted us at Merge Conflict FM, and that's literally everywhere that you can find us. We would love it. And until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.